With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As you can see, I'm having a pretty good day today. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving Up Live. We're on Twitter as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, and, you know, today is one of those days, you know, sometimes you don't see good things coming. Uh, not that you wake up with a, with a pessimistic attitude, nothing like that. But I woke up this morning. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was that tonight's the NBA draft. We'll be talking about Wemby and Scoot and everybody. I don't know what it was. But something gave me the feeling that today was going to be a good day. Today was going to be a good day. <laughs> and what do you know? My Golden State Warriors, I don't know if, you, uh, if you've heard, it would appear that we're back in business. Because we... Just traded Jordan Poole, and we need to trade Chris Jordan Poole as if that's that's not great enough. <laughs> we traded him for one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game, a guy who's now going to be the best backup point guard in the NBA. <laughs> I'll get to that in just a moment. Good time, come on, hey, yep. Oh man. Listen, this ain't this ain't like the feeling of winning a championship. You know, there's nothing like that. Or even like when Steph dropped 50 in the game seven and the Grizzlies got beat by 40. We'll talk about Memphis, by the way, trading for Marcus Smart in just a moment. Um, but it, it's just it's one of those days, man. Like you you just listen, I don't believe in basketball gods, but it's days like today where you wonder, are they smiling upon me? Are they smiling upon the Bay Area? Are they smiling upon a gentleman who just took the job as the general manager of the Golden State Warriors? Guy by the name of Mike Dunleavy Jr. That's a name you guys will be, uh, you know, need to to add to your basketball uh, to, to your basketball uh, um, uh, dictionary. 
or basketball encyclopedia, rather. Oh, my goodness. This is beautiful. Mike Guido. What's up, Mike? Christmas in June. By the way, Mike Guido and I, uh, and potentially other guests, will be uh, covering the 2023 NBA draft in basically an hour and a half at 7.45 Eastern, 4.45 Pacific, here on the Grid Network on YouTube and Twitter on the Grid Network. So definitely be sure to tune in for that. Again, I'll talk about Wimby, and at the end of the show, I'll talk about the draft from a broader uh, perspective because there are some very, very talented uh, prospects in this year's NBA draft. Uh, and, and also, by the way, get to Dame Lillard. I think Portland's butchering this entire situation. But um, I must start. I am not contractually obligated. I'm, I've yet to sign a, a contract to do a show. Although, if anybody was uh, is, is is interested in doing that, I'm, I'm more than more than um, more than open to that. My Golden State Warriors just traded for Chris Paul, and as if that's not great enough, we traded Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, when the season ended in heartbreaking fashion for me as a Warriors fan, us losing to, of all teams, the Los Angeles Lakers, the only thing, actually the only two things that could be worse than that is losing to the Cavs, which I still haven't recovered from 2016, or losing to the Memphis Grizzlies. Those are the only two things that could possibly surpass the pain of losing, as bad as that is, but losing to the Los Angeles Lakers. And I was in a down mood the following Monday, and I said, uh, when I talk, was talking about, hey, how do the Warriors upgrade? How do they get better? Because obviously, you lose in the second round, you clearly weren't good enough to win a championship. How do they get better? <laughs> and Mike Dunleavy Jr., in just one move, answered many of the questions that I had. The first thing being, we've got to get some veterans. We're too young. Jordan Poole's young. We had James Wiseman. He was young, so we traded him. He was too young. Didn't work for the timeline of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Moses Moody's young. Jonathan Kaminga, who I freaking love, is young. Even Kevon Looney is somewhat young. I mean, he just completed his seventh year in the league, so by Warrior standards, he's fairly young. Need to bring in some vets, guys who have been there, guys who have done that. Again, Golden State's greatest success have come with veterans on the team, be it Sean Livingston, be it Andre Guadalla, Leandro Barbosa back in the day. You think about David West, JaVale McGee was great for us, Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bialica, Gary Payton II just last year. Yes, it all revolves around the core three and Steph, Clay, Draymond, but you've got to add the vets. You've got to add the guys who... Again, maybe they haven't necessarily won a championship before, but they played in big games. I mean, again, outside of you know certain guys that never won a championship, have there been that many guys that's played in multiple Western Conference Finals, played in an NBA Finals just two years ago, numerous playoff series, year in and year out, than Chris Paul has. And again, I'll get to sort of the skepticism that I'm hearing from a lot of Warriors fans, which really disturbed me when I saw on Warriors Twitter today. I love my friends at Dub Nation, but I, I, I didn't agree with their take on this trade. Get to that a little later. The second thing, what does Golden State need to do to address some of their needs this offseason? Trade Jordan Poole! Been saying it for months. And it's it, it's heartbreaking for me because I didn't have a show back when the Warriors took Jordan Poole uh, in 2019 with, with the uh, late-round pick in the 2019 draft. A lot of folks bashed. I said, this is great. I said, this is a guy at Michigan who's a shot maker, can create his own shot off the dribble. Like, he'll work perfectly in Golden State. It makes all the sense in the world. Had a rough rookie year, came back after he went to the G League. His second year played excellent. I'm thinking, hey, I think we've got our sixth man. Year following following that, I thought he should have been the most improved player in the league. If not that, sixth man of the year. Didn't win either. That's okay. He won a championship, played well in the playoffs. But the second that young man got his money, which, by the way, you know, we could talk hindsight 20-20, but at the time I said, absolutely give Jordan Poole money. 
No. You saw he started sort of started to challenge the 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 the, the hierarchy, the power dynamic in Golden State. Jordan Poole didn't recognize that, hey, I could be a 20-point-per-game score on a championship-contending team. Making a lot of money, by the way. By the way, Evidently, that wasn't, wasn't good enough for him. He challenged Draymond. We saw Draymond took it a step too far by, by punching him in practice. Didn't defend Draymond on that, but clearly there was some disconnect between those two. Numerous times throughout the season, you saw Jordan Poole and Steve Kerr going at it. And to me, most importantly, the guy who never, ever gets in people's faces, is a leader, but is more of a lead-by-example guy. Draymond's the vocal leader. But Steph Curry is the, the lead-by-example, very even-keeled. The late, great Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, once said that Steph is the, the scariest type of killer assassin guy on the court that you could see. Why is that? Kobe said, because regardless if it's going well or if it's going not, or if it's going well or if it's not going well, very even-keeled. Doesn't overreact. He always believes he's going to hit the next shot. He's going to keep shooting. You even saw Steph Curry. Steph Curry, folks, got thrown out of a basketball game in January against the Memphis Grizzlies because of Jordan Poole's continued horrible shot selection. And that's something else, too. Like we talk about, you know, the Jordan Poole defenders will say, well, he averaged 20 a game last year and averaged, I think he averaged 26, 27 when Steph Curry was out, which is like, well, yeah, of course he's going to score more, being in more of a, 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 um, a pronounced role. Jordan Poole in the playoffs. He averaged 10 points a game on 25, I'm sorry, 34% shooting. He had the worst playoff field goal percentage and three-point percentage of any player on the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. There was even a game four against the Lakers, which Jordan Poole played 10 minutes, essentially a fourth of the basketball game, and scored as many points as you and I did unless you played in that game. So yeah, yes, I'm beyond thrilled that Jordan Poole's gone. He was our version of Russell Westbrook. I said he's literally Westbrook, except a better shooter, but not as good of an athlete. And I trust West. Westbrook's never been a great defender, but I trust Westbrook more in the defensive end. Both have horrendous basketball IQs. Both try to do too much. I'd say Poole even more so than Westbrook. Trying to do too much with the basketball, taking awful shots. I mean, he's taking, you know, fallaway threes out of bounds with 16 seconds on the shot clock. Heat checks when he's cold as ice. So we move on from Jordan Poole. That's a check. So we got a vet and Chris Paul. We trade Jordan Poole. Well, if we trade Jordan Poole, that's going to leave a little bit of a gap. Who's our sixth man? Oh, look at that. Our sixth man is now the best backup point guard in the NBA. A title held previously by Tyus Jones, who's now a, uh, a Washington Wizards with Jordan Poole. I'll talk about Tyus Jones and the Grizzlies and that whole trade in just a moment. But now we got a guy, and we and if folks are saying, well, what about Chris Paul? You know, he's, he, he's, he's 38 years old. His body breaks down at the end of seasons. He's tended to struggle in the playoffs. Here's the beauty of it, folks. Golden State's going to reload manage Chris Paul. Phoenix didn't because Phoenix couldn't. Phoenix, Phoenix was not in a position to rest Chris Paul because he was their starting point guard. Chris Paul's not going to be a starter in Golden State. It's As of now, and barring any sort of drastic change, I don't see Draymond leave. I think Draymond was staying regardless. By the way, something else too, Jordan Poole getting traded not only guarantees, I was about 99% that Draymond was going to say, now I'm about 100. Because not only guarantees Draymond stays in that Poole's gone, 
but it also guarantees that Draymond comes back potentially on a reduced contract because there was no way the Warriors front office was going to go to Draymond Green and say, yeah, we'd love to have you back. You're going to make less than the guy you punched and has been a locker room problem all year. Draymond would be like, after what I've done with this franchise, after considering the fact I'm still one of the premier defensive players of the league, that's a slap in the face or a punch in the face. No pun intended. Goodbye. That's the only chance I saw Draymond leaving. You remove that possibility now. So Draymond's definitely coming back. The starting lineup of the Warriors, even the same as last year. Curry, Thompson, Green, Wiggins, Looney. Chris Paul's come off the bench. And dare I say Chris Paul plays, what, 45, 50 games max? You save his body. You're getting ready for the playoffs. He's not going to play 35, 40 minutes a night. He's going to play 25 to 30. And assuming Golden State continues to be aggressive this offseason, they'll add some wings. They'll add more vets. Uh, I would like them to keep Moses Moody or Jonathan Kaminga, preferably both. I think both are going to be really good players, especially Kaminga in the NBA. But Golden State knows what they're doing with this. This is a... Getting rid of Jordan Poole is addition by subtraction by itself. You now replace him with a guy... By the way, uh, we talk about Jordan Poole taking bad shots. Well, not Jordan Poole was a turnover machine in Golden State. You now replace him. By the way, the Golden State Warriors, let's not just put on Poole. The Warriors have typically struggled with turnovers throughout this run. They had a guy who doesn't struggle with that whatsoever. Chris Paul, last season, even at age 37, had the best assist to turnover ratio, the fourth best assist to turnover ratio in the NBA. So, you know, Chris Paul is going to come in. If he takes a shot, he's going to take a smart shot. It's going to be a mid-range, maybe the occasional three in the pick and roll, maybe get to the basket, or he's going to set other guys up with good looks. And you say, well, what about Chris Paul from a fit perspective? How does he fit in Golden State? Glad you asked. And it's a question, by the way, that I asked about Golden State's offense. This is absent Chris Paul because I suggested, hey, I mean, is it crazy? This is when Poole's still in the Warriors, obviously. And I still don't think this is a terrible idea to at least call teams about Clay Thompson because there's a good chance Clay probably leaves next year because I can't give him the max. Can't give Clay Thompson the max at this stage. Trade Clay Poole and Kaminga for Damian Lillard. Because, and I discussed this, part of the reason Clay struggled last year, Golden State, the last couple of seasons, you, realize, you, you you see where Steph's offensive production has skyrocketed. He's always been great, obviously, but the last two years especially, he's just been going nuclear. Some of that is Steph is, is the sixth greatest player of all time. But some of that is Kerr is more playing to Steph's strengths than he is the Splash Brothers' strengths. And I asked the question, hey, do you go back to the sort of motion offense, not as much high pick and roll? And Steve Kerr saying, nope, I'm going to go all in on it. Chris Paul's great in the high pick and roll. So is Steph. So obviously, aside from the obvious, Steph's the greatest shooter ever. Chris Paul's a solid three-point shooter, mid-30s, you know, on, on a good night, maybe 40% three-point shooter. But that's not really his game. He can create his own shot and get others involved. Again, he had, what, nine assists last year? 14 points, nine assists? That's perfect. That's exactly what Golden State needs. A team that was the second highest, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, hey, Jordan Poole averaged 20 points a game. The Warriors were second, you know, in, in scoring in the NBA. Yeah, you lose, you lose a big chunk of your points there. Well, not really. CP3 averaged 14 and doesn't turn the ball over near as much. And offense isn't exactly a problem in Golden State. It's length, it's size, it's rebounding. They'll address that this offseason. But adding Chris Paul, Mike Dunleavy Jr., your very first move in the NBA, was to not only, not only, 
fleece the Washington Wizards in that, guess what Golden State gave up? Pool, a kid they drafted in the second round last year, Ryan Rollins, who I'm not really sure he's going to pan out that much in the NBA. Uh, you know, wish the kid the best, though. And two first-round picks in 2027 and 2030. Steph will be retired by 2030, in all likelihood. I think it's a beautiful trade. By the way, something else, too. You know who else Mike Dunleavy Jr. Uh, 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 fleeced and fooled? You know what I love? He pulled a, a veteran general manager move. This is why I said I liked the, the bring in Mike Dunleavy uh, Jr. to replace Bob Myers. I was heartbroken that Bob Myers retired, but I respect the man's decision, wants to spend more time with family. God bless him. But I said Mike Dunleavy Jr. is the perfect replacement. He's been watching Bob Myers. He's been watching the master for the last couple of years. And now he's he's taken from uh, his, old, uh, his old master's tricks, talking about, remember he had a press conference the other day? Our goal... Is to keep what was this quote? Something about he wants to keep Jordan Poole for the foreseeable future for at least the next three years. What was he doing? And I had a conversation, might have been with my man John Rivera or somebody else about this. You know what he was doing? He was boosting Jordan Poole's market value. Evidently, a dumb organization like Washington fell for that. I mean, it is a, a, a Wizards organization that gave up Bradley Beal and got Chris Paul, who they traded for two first round picks, which they will probably butcher. So, needless to say, love this trade. Absolutely love this trade for the Golden State Warriors. My man Atria is like, what's up, Atria? How you doing, man? He said, those glasses are cool. Listen, listen, I got, I got to bring out the shades. I got to bring out the shades for a day such as this. And, and the funny thing, too, is, folks, God's honest truth. I was not going to do a show today. Because I'm like, I don't know if there's that many topics. I want to spend more time, you know, preparing. Again, we got a draft show in literally, literally an hour and a half. Please tune in for that on the Grid Network. Uh, me and my man, Mike Guido, and potentially other guests will join. Very much looking forward to that. But I, I was like, okay, I could talk about the Porzingis trade, but maybe I'll save that for Friday. Like, no, 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 no. Once I saw this news, I'm like, I, I, I got I to gotta get, get, get my camera out and my mic out and let's do a podcast. Oh, this is, ooh. <laughs> Give me a play the... Yeah, let's see if I can bring up the, 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 the music again. Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. There we go, there we go, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. All right. Whew, it's a good day to be a Warriors fan. It's a good day to be a member of Dub Nation. Let's go. All right. Shades off. There, I can see things better now. See the camera. I can see everybody. You can see my, my eyeballs now. We had another big trade, like, right at midnight. So you could technically say today, depending on if you're in the East Coast, West Coast. Thing is, it involved uh, three East Coast teams. The Memphis Grizzlies, the Boston Celtics, the Washington Wizards. Kristaps Porzingis, who was the, 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 the big guy in, in this deal, you know, no pun intended, again, he's, what, 7-3, was traded to the Boston Celtics. In return, the Wizards got Tyus Jones, if I'm not mistaken, I think they got Danilo Gallinari as well, which I'll get into that component of it in just a moment when I talk about Boston, and the Grizzlies gave up Tyus Jones and got Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. So, again, the big fish in this deal is Kristaps Porzingis, so let's talk about him first. So, listen, he's a guy who's 
who's who's been you know the the uh, the unicorn of the NBA as he became known when he plays with the, with the Knicks. Uh, he, he's a guy who has people have lamented the fact that he's seven feet, three inches tall and is basically not a presence whatsoever, you know, posting up down low. That's never really been his game at any stage of, of his career. But listen, last season with Washington, he's a guy who averaged 23 points a game, career high, uh, average basically a, a steal per game as well. Shot 50% from the field, 38, 39% from three. So he had a good season. Now, again, he struggled to stay healthy, missed 17 games last year, which in the context of guys like Bradley Beal, his teammate, is not terrible. Initially, yesterday, if folks were reading the reports, he was going to get dealt to Boston in a deal that involved the Wizards and the Los Angeles Clippers. And Malcolm Brogdon was going to get sent to the Clippers. And I, I tweeted yesterday, I'm like, this is weird for Boston. You already have Gallinari you add a better version of Gallinari in Porzingis, a bigger, taller version of Gallinari. But Boston needs guards. I actually suggested Chris Paul as a as a great fit for the Boston Celtics. And you give up Malcolm Brogdon? Like that, that uh, to me, that would have been a very odd move. That'd have been adding a strength on a strength, but your primary weakness, you just would have made it weaker. Thing is, Clippers pulled out of the deal because they were worried about Malcolm Brogdon's health. And so we'll see what see at that. If Spawson tries to, t- to deal him in the future, potentially, we'll see what happens. This is going to be a crazy NBA offseason. Can't wait. We're technically already in the offseason, but draft tonight, free agency in eight days, going to be very fun. But now with this deal, they get Porzingis, they give up Smart, and they give up Danilo Gallinari, who I said right when the Celtics season ended, I, when, they, when they lost Game 7, I did a special show on Tuesday. I said one of the biggest additions of the NBA uh, offseason would be a guy who was already in-house for Boston. That is Gallinari. He's a stretch four, uh, obviously is an excellent three-point shooter, is capable of putting on the floor, not as great defensively as you might like, but is capable in that any he'll hold his own to a certain degree. And so again, I said the adding Porzingis when you already have Gallinari coming back is weird. Because again, Gallinari, for those of you that don't know, signed with the Boston Celtics, uh, I think in the buyout market, if I'm not mistaken, last year after he got bought out by the Spurs and did not play a single game because he blew up his knee playing overseas. So I'm like, this is going to be huge for the Celtics next year. So you had a better version of that in Porzingis. So now, this is a Celtics, again, we don't know the point guard. As of today, it's Malcolm Brogdon, or or maybe it's Derek White, who knows. But you're looking at a Celtics starting lineup of either Brogdon or White, probably more likely White now that I think about it, because Brogdon's more comfortable coming off the bench as your sixth man. Good for him, he was the sixth man of the year. You have White, Assuming they sign Jalen Brown to the long-term deal, which I'm hearing reports that is going to be the case. White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and in all likelihood, either Robert Williams or Al Horford. I would start uh, Robert Williams just to keep Al Horford, kind of what the Warriors going to do with Chris Paul, uh, keep him healthy for the postseason because he's, he's always been a solid postseason performer. And again, you have Brogdon and Al Horford come off the bench. I don't think it necessarily makes Boston the favorites. Again, I'd like to see them get a true blue point guard. And there are some uh, potentially available, but I, I get it to a certain degree for Boston. Listen, this is a team that last year was not near as good defensively as the year prior with Ime Odoka. You have a guy like, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the coach's name, uh, J- uh, Joe Mazzula coming in. And, and I, I said during the, the playoffs, I would strongly consider moving on from him if I were Boston. And it's not even a Joe Maz- like Joe Mazzula, it's not even his fault. He didn't, I mean, listen, he, he was the third guy, he was sitting behind the bench the year he was an assistant with Udoka. So now he's in this position where he's offered the heck, head coaching job of the Boston Celtics at 30 years old, second year in the NBA. But he wasn't going to turn that down, but he seemed a little bit over his head. 
But brings in Sam Cassell. There's a potential if things go haywire, if they go sideways for Boston. You move on from Missoula. You bring in Cassell, make him the head coach. Uh, which, by the way, me and my man John Rivera actually called that um, about a week before they they signed Cassell. So we got to give our uh, both of us a pat on the back in that regard. Let's just put it this way. I'm lukewarm on it for Boston. I don't have any strong feelings about it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Again, the thing for Porzingis is not great defensively. And again, he had some playoff games in Dallas where he struggled badly. He was a flat-out liability at times on both ends of the floor uh, with Luka just essentially trying to carry him. So Porzingis now being the third option, maybe that suits him. Because obviously it's Tatum, it's Brown, and then you go to Kristaps Porzingis. So... I like it. I won't go any further than that. I, I like the deal for Boston, but I would really like to see them at a point guard. For Washington. Well, now, with the Warriors-Wizards uh, trade, now you got a backcourt of Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole. you got a true blue point guard. you got a shoot-first uh, shooting guard. Stereotypical shoot-first short shooting guard, especially in today's NBA, with Jordan Poole taking a high volume of threes. Washington is in a rebuild. They're embracing it. Again, they got a 2027 and 2030 pick from Golden State. Again, that's that's a long ways down the road, which, you know, listen. what a, Not trying to get off topic to the Warriors, but what do I always say? You make, notice the Patriots during that dynasty. They always made trades with Detroit and Cleveland. It's like, why are they always trading with those two? Because those two? they know they can fleece them. Golden State made a trade with Minnesota. Why? Because Minnesota's a terribly run organization. They got Andrew Wiggins for nothing. Just had to give up D'Angelo Russell and got Andrew Wiggins and, by the way, Jonathan Kaminga because of the draft pick. So Golden State fleece Minnesota. I think Golden State fleece uh, Washington as well. I think, again, I don't like the Beal fit with, with Phoenix. I think they gave up any sort of depth that they kind of had at that point uh, with Landry Shamit come off the bench. Don't think Phoenix got better with that trade. But that said, my thing was that's all Bradley Beal went for. Given these two trades, I think Washington could have got a heck of a lot more but they know what they were doing because of the Washington Wizards. They've been irrelevant for five decades, so shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Here's the part that really confused me about the trade. Because Washington, I mean, Washington screws up every trade. That's what they do. They gave us Chris Paul for free, basically. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In Boston. Okay, yeah, Christoph Porzingis. I like it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I like it. It, it, it's It's a solid move. It's a 23 point per game score on 50% shooting. My question is defense and durability. (laughs) It's the Memphis component of it that I can't compute. You know John Morant's going to be gone for the next 25 years. You know that. I know that. Obviously, the Grizzlies know that. Again, by the way, at least the next 25 games, because I talked about the Jaws suspension last week, he's still going to pass certain uh, protocol that the NBA has in place just for him to come back in general. So that's, it's 25 games minimum for John Morant. Memphis was in a solid spot given the position they were in with John missing 25 games where A, you move on from from a, a net negative, just like Golden State did with Jordan Poole, 
Grizzlies did that to a great regard. At least Poole gives you 20. I'm not a Poole fan, but at least he gives you 20 a night in the regular season. Dylan Brooks is a liability on both ends of the floor. So you move on from him. You move on from his shenanigans and his inability to play basketball at a, a competent level. You move on from him. Jaw's gone 25 games. Well, you, until Golden State traded for Chris Paul, have the best backup point guard in basketball in Tyus Jones. Don't believe me? When Tyus Jones starts, actually, let's, let's turn this around. When Ja Morant starts for the Memphis Grizzlies, they win 62% of their games. They have an offensive rating just short of 116 and a defensive rating of 112. When Tyus Jones starts, and by the way, this is all including the playoffs as well. When Tyus Jones starts, ooh, they go from winning 62% of their games to 72% of their games. Their offensive rating, while ever so slightly better with Jaw, is neck and neck. And defensive rating goes from 112 to 108. It's better without Jaw. Tyus Jones is a very good point guard. I'm not going to say he's grazed, he's an all-star. Tyus Jones was far and away the best backup point guard in basketball. You were going to be set. You win 72% of your games with no Jaw Morant. And you gave that up, and you get Marcus Smart in return. Now, I don't want to poo-poo on Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's a good NBA player. I mean, he was just one defensive player of the year last year. He's a good player. Okay, three-point shooter, although he can be really, really streaky in that regard. But you know he's going he's gonna to play his, his, his tail off on defense, and he's a good culture locker room guy. We know that. And by the way, the Grizzlies desperately need that. Here's the issue, though. Do we know for a fact that they're going to listen to Marcus Smart? Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson and eventually John Morant? Do we know for a fact that they're going to buy into the leadership of a guy like Marcus Smart? Because they didn't do so with Steven Adams. Now, Steven Adams doesn't have the credentials, doesn't have the accolades that a guy like Marcus Smart has. Marcus Smart, this is now, he's going into his 10th year in the NBA, so he's an established veteran in this league was a big part in the Celtics getting to multiple Eastern Conference Finals, getting to the NBA Finals just 365 days ago. Are we 100% sure the Grizzlies are going to buy into what Marcus Smart is selling? Because remember when John Morant was suspended the first time back in March with the nightclub incident with the firearm. Grizzlies held a team meeting. Steven Adams tried to talk to Ja in front of the team. Ja walked out of the room. Dylan Brooks, who is no longer with Memphis, but I have a hard time believing that Dylan Brooks, as clownish as he can be, is the only person who felt this way within that locker room. Remember, he had the quote alluding to, we don't need veterans. That's that's what's in the water. That's, that's what's permeating in the culture with Memphis. I think they need to add multiple vets. And Marcus Smart helps in that regard. He helps on the defensive end of the floor. Now they'll be even better. Again, a 112 defensive rating without with Jaw, a 108 defensive rating without Jaw. They're better without Jaw on the defensive end of the floor. That's not arguable. I I I would wouldn't shock me at all if Marcus Smart makes him even better on that end of the floor because that's what he does. But what do we always lament about Boston? Man, they don't have a true point guard. That's Marcus Smart is a is a two, really a small three. Just because of what he can do in the defensive in the floor. Memphis just gave that up. They gave up the guy who's been their rock with Jaws out at the point guard position. 
and they get a guy who's not a point guard. Wizards, I expected them to screw this up. Boston, I like the Manning Porzingis. I like it. Like, I'm not crazy about it, but it, it's, 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 it's a solid deal. I, th I think it absolutely could work. What Memphis did? You're banking, you're banking on a lot of ifs. A lot of ifs. And by the way, a backcourt, just talking about when Ja comes back, a backcourt of Ja, and who's really a score-first shooting guard, although he did lead the league in assists. So we'll give him uh, just last year, so we'll give, or might have been this year, I forgot. Uh, give Ja credit in that regard. And Marcus Smart playing the two. Does that backcourt from a fit perspective work? The, Memphis being a part of this deal, even skeptics will say, well, they added veteran presence, veteran leadership. They did. But they got a lot of young guys in Memphis who thinks that they built a dynasty. Well, Marcus Smart's going to make it well known. Hey, guys, I was part of a team that played a dynasty in the NBA Finals. I was part of multiple teams that faced a one-man conference dynasty in LeBron James year after year. Y'all in a dynasty. How's that going to go over? I'm just saying, I don't know if this works the way that a lot of folks are thinking it's going to work in Memphis. We are just automatically assuming they're going to buy into smart. I don't know if they will. So, I tweeted last night, said in the show today, it's a puzzling trade. Let's put it that way. I think Memphis got the worst end of it. Wizards, they're the Wizards. They're, they, we keep talking about, oh, Washington's going. By the way, I misspoke. Washington's going to rebuild as one of my favorite television personalities. Big shout out to Kevin Wilds on First Things First on FS1. As he tweeted the other day, Washington has won five playoff series in the last four and a half decades. We can't, we, we shouldn't call it a rebuild. We need to call it a build. What are they building from? You know, making the play-in tournament two years ago? Making the playoffs as an eight seed and getting gentlemen swept? Ugh. And then Boston, listen, they added a 23-point-per-game score on very efficient shooting. It's a durability and defense that give me cause for pause to a certain degree, but we'll see what Boston does. But one thing about Boston, they're deep. There's no question about that. The depth is not an issue for Boston. I still would like to see them at a point guard, be it through a trade, be it in free agency. I mean, I've actually got a list real quick of free agents because I put this together of free agents by position, so guards, forwards, centers. Where are they? There are. Okay. And then I put a list of potential uh, trade targets. And by the way, uh, Chris Paul's off the board to Golden State. Jordan pulls off the board to the Wizards. Let's look at guards, guys that would fit the Celtics. Van Vliet would work, but he's too expensive. Harden, heck no. Kyrie, heck no. D'Angelo Russell's not really a point guard. Uh, neither is Austin Reeves. He's going to stay with the Lakers, Lakers anyway. Let's see. Maybe Gabe Vincent. But I, I, he probably stays in, um, or not Gabe Benson. Uh, what's his name? Uh, let's see. Trey Jones, maybe to Boston. Maybe that could work. Reggie Jackson, although he's more of a score first point guard, they probably have to probably go and let me, let me see the trade options. Any guys that would be available again, Damian Lillard, but that I, I don't think the money's going to make sense. Uh, yeah, that's the, the only true point guard that's still on my list of potential trade options. Although, listen, I'm not an insider. There, I'm sure there are things that I'm not aware of in NBA circles. So, And last thing about Porzingis, too, that actually works for Boston that I, I, I kind of like. 
they're not they're not saddling themselves. They're not setting themselves back by trading for a guy that if he doesn't work out, oh crap, he has three four years left in his deal. No, Porzingis opted into the last year of his contract. He's going to make uh, what was it around thirty million ish this year. It's kind of a rental, and all he gave up was Marcus Smart for a rental. I, I don't think that's a the money standpoint. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Celtics. So it's a it's a solid move. It, it, it it's solid. I'm not crazy about it. Don't hate it though. Okay, let's move on to you got two draft topics. Getting to the first one, the obvious one, Victor Wimbanyama, who is uh, the uh, Mike Guido. I don't know if he's still in the comments. He's gonna be on a draft show. Please tune in about an hour and ten minutes from now on the Grid Network on YouTube and Twitter. Very much looking forward to it. But Mike has said. Uh, he's he scouted the draft. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mike Guido is our draft expert aficionado. I call him RJ Billis in the NBA and our Mel Kuyper in the NFL. He's truly, you'll have to turn in, to, uh, tune in. He's fantastic. He just did a mock draft last night in the grid. De- definitely check that out before the draft show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He said he's been doing the draft since 2017, been scouting prospects. This is the best prospect he's ever seen. For me, personally, and I'm not as much of a draft guru as Mike is, I think, see, I hesitate to say greatest sense, but I think it's fair to say Victor Wimanyama is the greatest prospect since LeBron James. And I actually had this discussion on my show with Mike and even in a solo segment on Carving It Up about, I think we're, we got to distinguish between best prospect ever and most interesting prospect ever, or number one prospect ever. And I think Magic Johnson's up there in the interesting because, like, oh, my God, he's a six nine point guard. They, they, we'd never seen that before back in 1980, and he kind of changed the game in that regard because we see a lot of big guards today. Anyways, LeBron, to me, is the better prospect. Wimbenyama is the more fascinating prospect from a pure talent perspective. Again, he's 7'4". He's an insane shot blocker. And that, that's one thing that's guaranteed in the NBA. He's going to block three shots a game right off the bat. He's a fantastic rim protector and can put the ball on the floor like Kevin Durant. Now, not a great three-point shot, only 29%, but he's got his mechanics aren't bad. It's not an issue like, like I hate to you know, take a shot at him. Not only think it's a shot, it's just a fair assessment of him, especially with him being hurt. God bless him. Lonzo Ball, who's dealing with some injuries. I hate, hate that for him. Um, but Lonzo, remember, had a weird jump shot coming in the NBA, and to his credit, it was able to fix it and shoot 40 from three one year. Wimby Yama doesn't really, Wimby doesn't really have to worry about that. He's got a good form. Mechanic, mechanics are solid. So he can improve it. Young guys, like we worry about, oh, this guy can't shoot. This guy can't shoot. You can improve that as time goes on. Plenty of guys have. Uh, it, it's, it's why, you know, went off on Ben Simmons, the fact that he did not improve it one iota since coming in the NBA. His one weakness was he couldn't shoot. He still can't shoot. Like that's something you can't improve on. You can't get bigger. You know, you can't. Durability. There's certain things that you can you you can do in terms of taking care of your body, nutrition, sleep, but you know stretching. But there's certain things like some guys are just more brittle than others. 
Like the fact that LeBron went 15 years without a major injury is insane. And I think he's having the first surgery of his career, which is also insane. Just now. Wimby has the height of a top center prospect. His ability to put the floor ball on the floor as well as a good two-guard prospect. And as good of ability to score as a two-guard prospect. And best of all, he's not going to Detroit. He's not going to Charlotte. Not going to a poor-run organization. No. He's going to not only a well-run franchise in San Antonio, not only a franchise that has excelled with great big men, David Robinson, Tim Duncan. Most importantly of all, and I don't think people are talking about this enough, probably the greatest organization in NBA history when it comes to scouting overseas prospects. Again, Tony Parker, again, Tim Duncan, again, from the Virgin Islands, and Manu Ginobili. Like, those three guys, all overseas guys, all, you know, not uh, U.S.-born players. Wimby's from France. Like, it's almost like poetic justice, like all these years of of hard work by great Spurs scouts have all, like, led them to getting the greatest international prospect we've ever seen. Like, it's it's almost like a, a poetic justice in sports thing, so hats off to the Spurs in that regard. He's going to an organization that maybe, again, now there's a question with, with Wimby's feet. He's having some foot problems, which we see that quite often with big men, and some have been able to overcome it. This is an organization that isn't going to, I shouldn't say push him. They're going to challenge him. They're not going to put him in positions that he can't handle. Let's put it that way. Pop, Pop knows how this stuff works. You know, he's not hes not some young coach in some of these other franchises that don't know what they're doing. No. He, Greg Popovich knows what he's doing. He's developed big men before. He's going to do the same with Wimby. Now, as for what are Mike, because he's going to go number one of the Spurs tonight, like that, the question is who goes to? Is it Brandon Miller? Is it Scoot Henderson? We're hearing conflicting reports. Today it's Scoot. Yesterday it was Brandon Miller. I think there's something behind that that I'll get into later in today's show. But Wimby's going number one to the Spurs. This is the Wimby draft. It's all centered around him. We've never seen a prospect like him ever. So what should our expectations be for his rookie year and moving forward? Well, his rookie year is a lot easier because it's in the immediate. It's how, you know, we'll see how teams are constructed in the offseason, draft, free agency, etc. I think we're going to see a lot of that tonight in regards to trades. But... For Wimby, I'm expecting year one, knock on wood, he stays healthy, 21 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks. I'm dead serious. First of all, he's 7'4". Of course, he should average 11 rebounds. That should be the easiest aspect. Not the grabbing a rebound in the NBA is easy, obviously. Russell Westbrook was 6'3", and averaged uh, double-digit rebounds three years in a row, four out of five years. Might have been five years in a row, if I'm not mistaken, but never, never mind that. 11 rebounds for Wimby, three blocks, and he's 7-4. He's going to be up there among guys like Robert Williams, Miles Turner, among some of the best shot blockers in the NBA, and the 21 points. A lot of folks are talking about, hey, what about his body? Now, we don't have concerns about him from a physical standpoint, as we had, say, about Chet Holmgren last year, who went number two to the Thunder, and poor guy plays LeBron James in the Drew League First time and breaks his foot, misses his entire rookie season. So this technically is going to count as Chet's rookie season. And by the way, it looks like Chet has put on some muscle, which is great. Wimby can do the same thing. This offseason, it's going to be tough throughout the year because you're burning so many calories. You're on these flights. It's going to be tough to do that. But 
you name me, you name me defenders. Aside from the obvious, aside from the Giannis's and the Draymond Greens, like the best defenders in the world, Kawhi Leonard's, take those guys to the side. The average NBA player, the heck they're going to do to stop Wimby? Seriously. Now you can throw different defenses at him. Obviously, the talent gap between France and the NBA is massive. It's the gap between the United States and France in terms of travel distance. Wimby's going to step on an NBA court and be as comfortable as ever. By the way, we saw him uh, play in the G League. He actually played against Scoot Henderson. I think he scored 37, if I'm not mistaken. So he was as comfortable as could be. The Spurs are going to ease him in. They're not going to put him in positions. He's 19 years old. They're not going to throw him out there and say, hey, figure it out yourself. You know, throw him in the deep end, learn how to swim. No. It's going to be a slow progression, a slow development. When Wimby is out there, you're going to know it. Not just by what you see on the television, a big seven foot four French guy, but you're going to see somebody who dominates and impacts the game in every way, shape, and form. Very, very excited for Wimby tonight. By the way, something else too. And people will, will laugh at this. People will overlook this aspect, but especially in today's NBA, in today's NBA draft process, where it's mostly 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I mean, guys my age, kids. Did you watch Victor Wimanyama's interview with J.J. Reddick on J.J. Reddick's uh, podcast, The Old Man of the Three? I don't know if I've ever seen a draft prospect since LeBron that was, I'm talking about number one prospect since LeBron, that was that poised, mature, conducted himself like he was, not like he was 19, like he was 39. I'm, I'm like, oh, man, this kid's impressed me even more. It's, by the way, it's why I was skeptical in Paolo Bancaro. But then Paolo Bancaro, I heard the quote that right after he was drafted by the Magic, I want to be the leader. I want to lead this team. I want to, to, to take on that role. I'm like, I love that. He's not here just to play basketball and, and score points and get shooting. No, 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 no. He's interested in the, not just the, 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 in the locker room aspect, the intangibles. People laugh at that stuff, but think about the best players in the NBA. Think about the most successful in terms of winning championships in the NBA. Most, if not all, are excellent leaders, excellent locker room guys. Jokic, Steph, Giannis, LeBron. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Damian Lillard has, a, has a won any championships in Portland, but has been a great leader for the Blazers. We've had questions about Kevin Durant in that regard. To a certain degree, Luka... But overwhelmingly so, the guys in this league that are consistently year in and year out competing for titles, getting to minimum the conference finals, getting to the NBA finals, leadership's never been an issue. To see that from Wimby at this young of an age and going to the organization that he's going to, man, as far as expectations for him long-term, and I said it on this show, I think Victor Wimbanyama, minimum, is going to be one of the 15 greatest players to ever play the game. If he's healthy, obviously that's the caveat. If he's healthy, but if he is, you see what he is now. How's he going to develop? Like I, I use the example of Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum came to the league at 19, 20 years old, very raw prospect out of Duke. I should say raw. He was NBA ready coming out of Duke. 
And year one, we're like, whoa, this kid is good. A few, you know, uh, let's see, that was 2017. So seven years later, no, six years later, Tatum is 25, 26 years old. He's still really not in his prime yet. And he's averaging 30s, back-to-back All-NBA, took his team to the finals last year, had a 50-point game seven. We're like, man, what's going to happen when Tatum goes into his prime here? I feel comfortable in saying, and this is not a shot at Tatum, by the way, Wimby's going to be better than Tatum, than Tatum than, better as a rookie than when Tatum was a rookie. Man. <laughs> Spurs, uh, congratulations on tanking as long as they did. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Already a shot at last year's number one pick, Barry Grant Jr. Paolo couldn't lead a shopping cart out of a grocery store. Sincerely, a Duke Blue Devil fan. That's foul. I don't know. The reports I read out of Orlando, those guys love Paolo. By the way, Paolo did win Rookie of the Year, averaged 20 a game, and well, I watched some Orlando games. Paolo was excellent. The team really sort of gravitates for him. You say, well, Orlando didn't make the plan. Yeah, Orlando's terrible. <laughs> you know, Orlando, I don't really trust their coach. They don't have a ton of depth there. A lot of young players. It's a process. It's going to take time. Paolo's young. Wimby's young. But Wimby, in terms of uh, upside between him and Paolo, as good as Paolo, I think Paolo's going to be, whoo. Top 15 player all time if he's healthy. And by the way, the runaway unanimous rookie of the year. I'll get into Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, other prospects later in today's show. For the record, I love Scoot, but I'll get to them later in the show. I think both are going to have good rookie years if they're healthy. But Wimby, we've never seen anything quite like him. Speaking of which, 58 minutes from now, the grid. 2023 NBA draft live reaction show. I might as well show the graphic here. Here you go. Yeah, there we go. There, there, there's there's my face. There's Mike Guido's face. There's Wimby. There's Brandon Miller. And there's Scoot Henderson. 745 Eastern, 445 Pacific, right here on the Grid Network on YouTube and on Twitter. Cannot freaking wait for tonight's show. It's going to be a blast. With Mike, again, other potential guests here from the network coming on. Very, very exciting. It's the Wimby draft. We're going to look back on this one. Maybe not in terms of the depth of the draft, but certainly the star player that sort of led it. Of course, then again, now MJ wasn't the number one pick back in in, in, uh, 84. That was Hakeem Olajuwon, who obviously wasn't the greatest player ever, but uh, Hakeem had a very good career. I think Hakeem's the 12th greatest basketball player ever. Some have him in their top 10. Uh, Some have him better than Shaq, I saw, which I don't think there's a a fair argument for that in terms of the length of their career, but I, I still got Shaq at number nine, I think. Point is, you notice in these drafts, MJ, you know, he went number three. He didn't go number one. He went number three to Chicago. LeBron goes number one to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Notice in these drafts with these generational prospects, again, MJ's not the prospect that LeBron or Wimby is. I understand that. Just so the LeBron fans don't get on me. So I think LeBron's a go. Don't. Shoot. Them Bron fans and Jordan fans, good Lord, they're, oh my gosh, they're overbearing sometimes. But notice in these drafts, though, like 84, you had Akeem Olajuwon. With MJ, you had, uh, I think John Stockton was in that draft too. Uh, think about 03. It's it's as deep of a draft as we've ever seen. Brown went one. Obviously, you had, um, was it Darko that went number two to Detroit? Then you had Mello. You had D. Wade. You had Chris Bosh. I mean, crazy. Crazy NBA draft in terms of depth. Could that be this year? I don't think that, that'll be the case. I think the 2021 class was really good. But only time will tell. To a team that 
everybody. I think it, it's it's the team that's under the most scrutiny going into tonight's draft. And a lot of it's going to hinge on what the team before them does. Obviously, Wimby's going to go to the Spurs, number one. We'll see what Charlotte does. Talk about that in just a moment. But Portland with the number three pick. They'll obviously either take Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. They'll take the guy that Charlotte doesn't take. Now, if you're Portland, to me, I'm crossing my fingers that, that they take Brandon Miller so I can take Scoot. But reports today saying that Hornets are leading Scoot, uh, uh, Scoot Henderson, so we'll see. Portland is absolutely butchering this Damian Lillard situation. You guys, by the way, know I, I, I'm a huge Dame fan. If there's five players in the NBA today that I'm paying money, I I, I, I got to save up money. I got to go see those guys play. Dame's one of those guys. I, he's so entertaining. He's, again, he's the second best deep shooter in the game to Steph. He, he, what do you have, a 70-point game last year? He has numerous 60-point games on his resume as, as arguably the clutchest player in the NBA. You know, Dame time, we see him time and time again. As I always mention the stat, only he and Michael Jordan have two series-ending buzzer beaters in NBA history, and both of Dame's were threes, walk-off threes. So, Dame's that dude. And I still have him. I did my top 10 players uh, list uh, last week, if I could pull it up here. I've still got Dame as my 10th best player. I've still got him a shade over De'Aaron Fox, over uh, Joel Embiid, guys, or not Joel Embiid, um, guys like uh, uh, um, crap, uh, Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard. I got Dame over those guys. I got Dame right at number 10, the 10th best player in all of basketball. That is the very reason that Portland needs to trade him. You're going to get Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. By the way, I think Brandon Miller has potential to be a tremendous player in the league. I favor Scoot more, though, just in terms of raw ability. I think he's, guy, he's so fun to watch. You already have a good young core of Shaden Sharp, Who's we talk about Scoot? Who's how Scoot is as an athlete? Shaden Sharp is is. I was so disappointed when when he had to pull out of the the dunk contest last year because of uh, an injury. Seeing him versus Matt McClung would have been a treat for the rest of the NBA for for NBA fans. It'd been a blast. I hope we get to see it again next year potentially. You have Shaden Sharp, and you have uh, Anthony Simons, who's a really good young player for Portland. Now you could add. Cross your fingers, Scoot Henderson to that, with Chauncey Billups, who I think is a very good developmental coach. That makes a lot of sense. By the way, uh, I'm pulling this up because there's reports that Dame wants to stay in Portland, and you know he feels like, I want to win the Blazers. Maybe we're a few pieces away. There's rumors that the, the Blazers could trade the number three pick to get Zion Williamson which I would not do if I were the Blazers. But let's just say, let's just say hypothetically, you add Zion Williamson and reportedly Jeremy Grant is commanding a $30 million a year contract. I'd be very hesitant to give him that, but Portland may. So you got a big three, quote unquote, with Dame, Zion, and Jeremy Grant. Portland's still not a contender. Last year, Blazers were 25th in offensive efficiency. 27th in points per game, second to last in defensive efficiency, and 26th in opposing points per game. They're not close. They failed to make the play-in tournament now two years in a row. Now, some of that involves tanking, but why did they tank the last two years? Because they had no chance to make the play-in tournament, and the first year, Dame got hurt. You have a good developmental coach. You have good young prospects, good young uh, good young core to build around. Why not just go in all, all in on that? By the way, 
Let's say you add Scoot, or even if you do add Brandon Miller. But I'm still hoping for Portland's sake to get Scoot. Get one of these one of these two exceptionally talented young players. Listen, I know Washington didn't get a lot for Bradley Beal. Washington's a dumb organization. Portland's not. Portland year in and year out. They, they they've when Portland sucks, it's not. They're almost like the. A lesser version, using a baseball example, my Boston Red Sox. Like, my Red Sox suck. It's not for long. They rebuild quickly. Now, Portland's never been to a championship level, certainly in decades, but they tend to rebuild quickly. They tend to develop, to develop young players well, particularly guards. Imagine what you get for Damian Lillard from a team like Miami. Man. Now, I don't think Miami has a whole lot to give, so I think you'll have to get another team involved in that trade in order for Portland to get their fair share for Dame. So you can have those three young players and potential future picks for Damian Lillard. You'd be in a good spot. You'd be in a really good spot if you're the Portland Trailblazers. And reportedly, they are not, reportedly, they are not taking calls from anybody regarding Damian Lillard, which, to be as frank as I can be, makes not an ounce of sense. Not an ounce. Uh, let's see here. We've got a, um, hold on. There, there's a report here from Woj. Um, I'm going to play this. I'm going to unplug my phone from, from the charger here. I'm going to play this on the show. This is from ESPN. Just give them their, their credit. Uh, put this to the mic. Cause this just came in. Uh, this caption, this video says warriors aren't done and it's showing, uh, Woj. So let's see what Woj has to say. Tonight, ahead of the Warriors, who are curious about the value uh, of maybe trying to bring on Jonathan Kaminga uh, to trade out one of their picks. I'm not saying that's going to happen, uh, but there's certainly been some teams who've had some conversations uh, with the Warriors about that. With Jonathan Kaminga, that's... Listen, I listen. I prefer not to give up Kaminga because while I understand he's 20, 21 years old, he is, I mean, if you guys haven't watched this kid, folks, he's a, he's not shade and sharp athletic, but he's darn close. He, sh- let's look at it this way. He's shade and sharp, but a wing. Incredibly long, quick, uh, good defensive player, has improved drastically in the offensive end. Improved a lot, by the way, from, from what I saw with him on the, on the court in the regular season. He didn't get a whole lot of playoff minutes, which I don't question Steve Kerr, but didn't make a whole lot of sense, at least in my view. But, as a guy who every single game, he's one of those dudes who every single time he's on the court, you're like, he got better. He looks better than he did the night before. So, and I think, again, I think Jonathan Kaminga has, he, he gives me, he he gives me a more athletic Kawhi Leonard type vibes. I really, really hope we keep him, but if we give him up for a piece that can help us now, I'm not, I'm not against it. But if we give up Kaminga for a draft pick, I don't like that at all. If, if that's the plan for Golden State, if it's because I know um, the lively kid at a Duke who I, I really hope falls to Golden State uh, middle of the first round. I'm not getting my hopes up, but I would like to see us take him. But if that's if that's the strategy, if that's the move, I don't get it. Unless, unless the plan is to trade Kaminga for a pick, trade the pick for an impact player. That's the only way that makes sense to me. But we'll see. I I, I will say I agree with Woj. And listen, Woj is the man. He's, he's as plugged as anybody. I think Golden State's going to do something tonight. I really do. And I would not be shocked if Portland gets an offer that they like and say, you know what? We're going to cut bait with Dame, send him to a contender, 
and go all, all in on the rebuild. I could see that happening. Who knows? Could happen tonight. Very interesting. By the way, one of the best insiders in the game, Chris Haynes, does a fantastic job. Chris Haynes said today that this feels to him, and he he is well-connected with all these players in the NBA. This feels like for the first time in Dame's 11-year career where he's seriously considering his future and seriously considering moving on from Portland. That's Chris Haynes. Who knows, Dame? So I'll take his word for it. We'll see. All right, last topic of the day's show. Again, uh, the Grid 2023 NBA Draft Live Reaction Show. Let's put up the graphic one more time here. Myself, Mike Guido at 745 Eastern. Going to have a little bit of a pregame show, if you will. 745 Eastern, 445 Pacific Time, right here on the Grid Network on YouTube and on Twitter. Very, very exciting with uh, with, with this draft. It's going to be just going to be so good. I, I, I cannot wait. So again, we know Wimby's going number one of the Spurs. It's a foregone conclusion. No need to even discuss it further than that. Well, the draft really begins with Charlotte at number two. Now, Michael Jordan sold the team. But according to executives within the, the Hornets organization, he's going to, which this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe I just don't know the nuts and bolts, ins and outs of the NBA. But Michael's going to have input on what the pick is. Like he's been among Hornets scouts and execs with the workouts with guys like Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. Now, Brandon Miller... Now, he said something really, 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 really crazy. Beyond crazy. Yesterday, he said, and I quote, MJ's not the GOAT. Okay, well, if he, you know, I think I think LeBron's a GOAT. Some people, you know, some folks might even say Kareem. A lot of folks say MJ. Okay, if you don't think MJ's the GOAT, it's fine. No, no, no. His quote. MJ, I don't think MJ's the GOAT. I think Paul George is the GOAT. Now that's funny, and my man Guido has Mike Guido's pointed this out, and I totally agree with him. Brandon Miller is a spitting image of what Paul George was coming to the NBA. Like that's that's Mike's comp. I hundred percent lockstep with that. He's 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 my comp as well. The reports yesterday said that Charlotte was strongly considering or was leaning towards taking Brandon Miller with the second pick. The reports today from guys like Shams, I think it was either Shams, Woj, maybe both, were saying now they're leaning Scoot. Now, Jordan doesn't hold all the power anymore in Charlotte. We understand that. But uh, is there, and in some instances I defend it from Michael, and some instances I do not. Is there an individual more petty, maybe in the history of the NBA, than Michael Jordan? Ever. Even as an owner. You think that wasn't a strategic move by Brandon Miller not to get taken by Charlotte? Because with or without Michael, Michael made him worse. But Charlotte's a dumpster fire franchise. They're a disaster. They have been relevant since the mid-90s when they won a playoff series over Boston. When they, uh, was it mid-90s or late-90s? I remember they faced the Bulls that one year, 98. They've been relevant in two, two and a half decades. He don't want to go there. He can go to Portland where, again, they have a history of developing young players. They've got a good young core. They've got a good coach in Chauncey Builds who can help develop this group. That's Portland. Now, now Charlotte's a small market too. Portland's more laid back. Again, here's the difference between, between Charlotte and Portland in terms of a, a market perspective, in terms of interest of free agents going there and interest from the league and having events there. Charlotte has had all-star games. They can't have an all-star game in Portland. You know why? 
they don't have enough hotels for the players, for media, NBA execs, etc. Fans, you get to kind of disappear to a certain degree in Portland. You get time to develop. What if that wasn't very strategic by Brandon Miller? By the way, he also took another shot at Michael saying, yeah, I saw him airball free, uh, airball free throw at practice. We were talking smack back and forth. I don't know. That that felt the Paul George thing. If he, if he would have really wanted to tick Michael off, he'd have said LeBron. But the Paul George thing, I'm like, what? Like, that isn't, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. But listen, I wonder if there wasn't some behind that. My prediction, I think Scoot's going to go number two to Charlotte. I really do. And I, I really hope he goes to Portland. But I think Scoot's going number two to Charlotte. Brandon Miller goes number two, uh, number three to the Portland Trail Blazers. And again, we'll continue to watch Portland throughout the night. Do they trade Damian Lillard? We'll, we'll, we'll see. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, s- s- trying to see is, is, is Portland trying to go on a rebuild? Are they fine with being in the middle, which is the worst place to be in sports because you want to have a direction. And when you're in the middle, you don't have a direction. Best case scenario, you're awesome. You want, you're competing for championships. Second best case scenario is you suck, but at least you know you suck and you're going to try and rebuild. If you're in the middle, you're like, are we good enough? Are we bad enough? Good enough to win, bad enough to tank? That's a that's it's sports purgatory. Amon Thompson, though, I think goes number four to, um, is it Houston's got the fourth? Yeah, Houston's got the fourth pick. Amon Thompson goes number four to Houston. Just, I don't know if you was seeing what he's doing in uh, some of these G League Ignite games. I think it was a G League Ignite, I think, where he, where he played. Oh, my God. Outstanding young prospect. I think he works in Houston. Uh, his brother could potentially go fifth. Cam Whitmore, who a lot of folks are high on, I think could be a, a real sleeper in this draft. Maybe he could potentially fall. Again, I'm looking down here at Dave, Derek Lively, the second. I hope, I'm hope against hope he maybe falls to Golden State because we could use like a young backup center to Kevon Looney. But... I don't know. There, there's some other interesting prospects. Um, Chris Murray, uh, that he's been mocked. Chris Murray, he's actually, I think, he thinks Keegan Keegan Murray, uh, his little brother, come out of out of Iowa. Uh, he's been mocked to Golden State. I've seen. So, listen, I think he's a good fit. He's a good shooter. So, draft a guy like that, Patrick Baldwin Jr. last year, solid three point shooter, um, long. You know, we'll see how he 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 develops in Golden State. I think he's gonna be a solid young player in the NBA. That could that could maybe work with the Warriors as well. That's kind of what I think. I think Scoot goes number two, Brandon Miller goes number three, and obviously Wimby goes number one. And then Amon Thompson goes number four to Houston, and that's some that's another team too to, to keep a keep keep a lookout for for the next couple two to three years. We talk about what Chauncey Bills can develop the young core in Portland. I think uh, Emi Odoka could do the exact same in Houston, where you've got Jalen Green, you've got. Uh, Jabari Smith. Now you could potentially have a guy like Amon Thompson. That's a good young core as well that they can develop in Houston with a an excellent young coach. I like what the Rockets are doing, no doubt. And I hope they don't bring James Harden in because that'd be a a weird. It's like okay, you bring in James. Are you hoping to make the playoffs? Is this just a for old time's sake move? Like that would be a very odd move by by the Houston front office. And I think it would stunt the growth of some of the young players. But. We'll see what Houston does. Houston's typically been a well-run, well-run organization, but I'd be shocked if they did it. All right. That is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. 
Be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day and hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as everywhere that you get your podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get and listen to your favorite podcast here on The Grid Network. Definitely subscribe on YouTube and elsewhere. All right, that's all we got for carving it up. I'll be on the Grid 2023. Let's put the graphic up one last time for today's show. The Grid 2023 NBA Draft live reaction show will be live at about 40 minutes at 7.45 Eastern, 4.45 Pacific time on the Grid Network's YouTube channel as well as the Grid Network's Twitter account. So follow on both Comment, like, tell your friends about it. We're going to have a blast. Uh, I've done the last two NBA drafts with my man Mike Guido. Barry Grant Jr. is a part of both as well. Maybe he stops by. Maybe he doesn't. We'll see. But had an absolute blast. Had a big NFL draft just a couple months ago. So if you want to kick back, enjoy you know, enjoy a, a group, good group of people, just watch the draft and breaking it down, uh, definitely do so. It's, it's a blast. Cannot wait to hang out with the guys, hang out with Mike. And uh, this going to be a fun draft. There's no question about it. Cannot wait. All right. Have a great evening, everybody. I'll see y'all in 40 minutes on the draft show. I'll see y'all tomorrow for Carving It Up Live. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please be sure to call and contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Have a great evening, y'all. See y'all in 40 minutes. God bless y'all. Peace out. We got Chris Paul! Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. We got Chris Paul. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.